Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning uh, as a chaplain. We often get to preach many different states, many different churches, but I believe this will be my first time in Florida. So, and uh, it's always a pleasure to speak in a congregation full of believers and like-minded uh, people of faith and such a vibrant church we have here. So it's such a great privilege to bring God's word to you this morning. Uh, I've chosen Psalm 8 this morning. Uh, oftentimes on my way to work, I like to listen to uh, Albert Moeller's The Briefing podcast, and he often uh, looks at the context and the things in the news of the day and provides a analysis from a Christian worldview. And as we've seen as of lately, there's been a lot of talk with uh, just abortion and uh, human dignity and value. And I think Psalm 8 does an amazing job of, of answering some of those questions from a Christian worldview. So with that in mind, I would like to turn our attention to God's word this morning to Psalm 8. This is the word of our Lord, Psalm 8, through his servant David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the son of man, that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, one of my first nights uh, way back in college, uh, Reformed Bible College, or now Kuiper College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, there was a movie night. And I remember going to that movie night, and the feature movie that night was Ants. Do any of you remember that old animated film, Ants? Well, the, the movie opens with the camera zooming in on the lead ant, and he's, he's lying back on his ant psychiatrist's leaf couch. He's staring thoughtfully up into nothingness. He's noting the vastness of the universe. He's recounting all of his disappointments, lamenting life, and just feeling lost in general. At the end of his spiel, he sighs, it all makes me feel so insignificant. At which point, his aunt psychiatrist's voice echoes, that's because you are insignificant. Yes, the mirror version of that animated film is what we find right here in Psalm 8. What we just read. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the Son of Man, that you would care for him. You know, 
on a clear Judean night when David was maybe out tending his sheep and he looked around and stared up into the night sky, he could probably see about 5,000 stars. And we know that out there without that light pollution, anywhere we go, we can really enjoy God's creation. We can get a glimpse of how many stars there are up there. Well, today, even with just a a simple four-inch telescope at at home, you can see more than two million stars. Even more amazing than that, using the 200-inch mirror on Mount Palomar, California, astronomers can see more than a billion stars. In fact, our galaxy, the Milky Way, is merely one of a hundred billion or more galaxies each between a million and 10 million light years across. That's just staggering, mind-numbing. Well, it wasn't that long ago when Time Magazine had published some photos of the Hubble telescope and some of these amazing pictures of our galaxy and stars and galaxies beyond us. And somebody wrote in to the editor after seeing these images and said, you know what? This should finally put an end to the idea that humanity amounts to anything. Wow, really? Is that what we are to get from staring at our universe and our amazing galaxy that we don't, we don't matter? We, we don't even register on God's scale? Is that true? Are we really that insignificant that God wouldn't notice us? Well, the world around us would seem to agree, and that's what I was alluding to at the very beginning there by listening to Al Mohler's The Briefing. We see incredible things in our world. Uh, Abortion, suicide, veterans, 22 suicides a day in the United States alone. What have we recently seen with uh, the Virginia governor? and talking on radio about euthanasia, uh, infanticide even. Just unbelievable, the depravity that we've fallen to as human beings and what we consider the value and the dignity things to be worth. Yes, we see these cases in the news, right, where kids will bully each other on social media to the point where another kid will think their life just isn't worth living anymore. And they'll commit suicide. These are the problems that we're faced with. It makes you all a little bit sick, a little bit disgusted with our society, a little bit disgusted with humanity. And it makes you want to ask, does God really give a rip? Does he care? Well, does he care about me? Does he care about the problems I face? Does he care about your problems when you're facing issues at school, at work, wherever it may be? When you're going through a difficult time, does God give a rip? Should he? Well, this morning we're going to see how Psalm 8 answers these questions. But in order to do that, we have to see how this psalm fits in the book of Psalms. And last week we saw with Pastor Joe talking with Jonah in the very first verses, he said it's important that we even look How the book of Jonah begins, because each verse fits within a context. And he said, 
The Bible is a story, God's story, that has a bigger point when we see the overall context of looking at where the books fit and within the books where the verses fit. Well, Psalm 8 is no different, and we're going to take a look at that. If you have your Bibles open, we're going to be looking through the context here. You see, the book of Psalms is not just a random collection of different psalms. It's not like they got together and said, oh, that's a great psalm. Oh, you got one there, David? Oh, son of a you got one? Okay, let's put that there, and we'll put this one there, and then we'll, oh, 150. This is great. Good collection. No, they arranged them very, very specifically. And so we see that Psalm 1 and 2, they're generally regarded as the gateway or the introduction. They set the tone, in other words, for the entire book of Psalms, all 150. And then following Psalm 1 and 2, we have Psalm 3. And if you look there at verse 7, we see what the psalmist says. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Now look at uh, Psalm 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call to you, O God, of my righteousness. Give me relief from my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. 5, verse 1 and 2. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. And 6, verse 3 and 4. My soul is also is greatly troubled. Turn, O Lord, deliver me and save me. And finally, 7, verse 1 and 2. Save me from all who pursue me, from all my pursuers, and deliver me. Lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. Did you catch that? 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. They're all crying out to God, and then comes the exquisite Psalm 8, full of praise for God and humanity. Now I want you to see what follows Psalm 8, beginning with Psalm 9, verse 13. See my affliction from those who hate me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death. 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourselves in times of trouble? 11 verse 2. For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. Then 12 verse 1. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. And finally, 13 verse 1. How long, O Lord, Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. And Psalm 8 is surrounded by these cries for help. These petitions, these pleas, these laments to God. Where are you? Help me. Don't you see what's going on in my world, God? Answer me. And right in the middle of that is Psalm 8. Five psalms of appeal before it and five psalms of appeal after it. Well, the book of Psalms further highlights the very unique position of Psalm 8 with the psalm directly before it and the psalm directly after it. Look with me at the end of Psalm 7, verse 17. 
I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Now, if you turn to the beginning of Psalm 9, verse 2, it says, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Did you see the repetition there of O Name and Most High? At the beginning of, of Psalm 9 and at the end of Psalm 7. It literally forms a frame right around Psalm 8. It's as if the psalmist and the book of Psalms is saying, look right here, I want you to focus in on Psalm 8. There's something going on with these appeals on either side, but Psalm 8 has an answer to it. There's a message here that will resonate with what is going on with your life. Important? The reason is because right in the middle of those psalms that are crying out to God, we read Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? In other words, what is it about humanity made of dust that you should even think about us? That you should even give us the time of day? Who is us? Who are we? What do we matter? Why should God listen to us bellyache? After all, when things are going well for us, isn't it easy to forget about him? Why should God listen to our cries for appeal? Why should God give a rip? Well, to answer this question, we need now to move on and look at the uniqueness of this psalm. And there are four ways that Psalm 8 is unique, unlike any other psalm out of 150. First, Psalm 8 is special because it is the first psalm of praise in the book of Psalms. The very first one. It's also the only one of the 150 that is a direct address to God himself. If you glance at it, you notice that it's filled with yous, you this, and you that. Compare that to, say, Psalm 96, another praise psalm, which says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation. You see, Psalm 8 has a unique personal feel to it directly talking to the king and creator of this world. Third, we can see this personal relationship in how the psalm is structured. While the boundaries of the psalm, verse 1 and 9, focus on God, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name, verse 4 focuses on humanity. What is man that you are mindful of him? Well, interestingly, in Hebrew, those verses have the same beginning. The, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic, and what is man? That's the same word, as if the, the Hebrew writer was showing that the outside God and the center of the psalm, man, are intricately connected. You can't separate them. You see, God and man are together. As John Calvin put it, the knowledge of God and that of ourselves is connected and that no one can look upon himself without immediately turning to look upon God. That his thoughts and his contemplation of God in whom he lives and moves. So humanity, seemingly insignificant, is not only the center of God's world, 
It's the center of the psalm, the center of his universe, his chosen people. At the same time, however, our significance comes not from ourselves, not from who we are because I'm kind of a big deal. No, that's not what it comes from at all. It comes from God. Or as Casting Crowns put it in their song, who am I? It's not because of who I am, but it's because of what you've done. And it's not because of what I've done, but it's because of who you are. Finally, it is interesting to note that the psalmist, he never mentions sin. He never mentions sin because Psalm 8 is a creation psalm. The psalmist is reminding us of the way things used to be when Adam and Eve walked in perfect fellowship with God without sin. We're going to talk about more on that a little bit later. So the stage is set now, right? We've seen some important things about Psalm 8. Now we have to dig into the heart of its message and see what it has for us here today in this world that we live in. We've been asking the question, why should God give a rip? Now we see the answer plainly. The psalmist says, God has done something amazing when it comes to humanity. As we read in verse 5 and 6, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Why should God give a rip? Because we're special. That's why. Every single person in here, their brow was meant for crowning. The psalmist is reminding us here of Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when God said, let us make man in our image. In the image of God, let us make them in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created them in his image. God created him, male and female. We all have royal status, just a tad lower than God himself. God says every single one of you in here today is special. From the tiniest infant of verse 2, God has ordained praise. Those who seemingly contribute nothing to society are still more valuable than any other part of God's creation. If we could just hold on to that fact, the human dignity, the value and worth placed upon us by our creator God, things would go a lot better for us and our society. Think of all the problems of self-esteem that would be solved. Think if we could imagine the way our creator God looks upon us with favor and love. For teenagers here, isn't it easy to get caught up with the things that this world values, whether it's we put importance on how many followers we have on social media, right? The nicest car or who looks the best, what you're wearing. No, those are all superficial things. God says, remember, 
I have made you a little lower than the heavenly beings. I've crowned you with glory and honor that no praise or recognition on this earth could ever match. Imagine that. Knowing that, that tag on your back, made by the creator God, the king of the universe. I have crowned you, he says, with glory and honor. He has made us his little image bearers, little kings and queens. He has made each one of us a ruler. Our brows were meant for crowning. And there's nothing on this earth that compares to us. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that fact. Our dignity and worth in God's eyes. You are significant. In this sea of humanity, nearly 8 billion of us now, the very hairs on your head are numbered. In the infinitude of 10 galaxies each, your name is, your name is known by the king and creator of the universe. The story doesn't end with the fact that you're special and you have a unique status before God. In fact, the fact that you are special in God's sight gives you the unique ability to come to God with anything. Remember how the psalm is placed right in the middle of those 10 psalms of appeal that are crying out to God, asking him for deliverance, asking him for help, Well, God wants us to know that when our world is crashing down around us, we can come to him with anything, and he hears us. God does give a rip about what is happening to you. God does hear your cries of pain. As a famous theologian, Walter Brueggemann says, lament or crying out to God is not possible if there is no doctrine of creation. Think of that. You can't cry out and lament to somebody who's not there. The very fact that there is a God who created you and said you are unique and special also gives you the opportunity to go before him with anything. Otherwise, your life is just a hand that some unseen forces have dealt you. But that's not our God. Our God knows you personally and loves you and hears you. Yes, when things go wrong because of the sinful world around us, we can cry out to God for justice. Help God, deliver us. Because he's involved in our world and he cares. He's big enough for, to do something about your pain. He's the God of creation. And the creation is God's standard that he is going to restore in his son, Jesus Christ, when he's going to make all things right again to that standard. Yes, God is big enough to hear our cries of pain and hurt and lament. God understands us. It makes me think of an experience I had a long time ago when I was in uh, college and seminary, and Christy and I were trying to make ends meet to get through school, pay the bills however we could. And so we took on a uh, night cleaning job at an office. And so we would go there, and Mark was just a little boy, and we'd 
let him run around. Petra would be in a car seat, and we'd put her in one of the offices, and we'd go and we'd clean late Wednesday night and get our stuff done. It was great. It was a source of income. Well, one night, uh, somebody who depended on that source of income, as myself, our source of income broke. That was the vacuum cleaner, and it went down. Well, on the way back home, we saw this vacuum cleaner shop, and we pulled in, and I dropped it off and told the person there kind of our predicament, how we needed this vacuum cleaner back by next week so that we could do the job again. Absolutely, no problem. Took record of it, brought his vacuum in the back, and we took off. Well, we left a little earlier the following Wednesday and got to that store and showed up and went to the front desk, and I said, here to pick up our vacuum cleaner. He said, yeah, no problem. What's, you know, what's the ticket? What's it under? Gave him my name, gave him my stuff. He goes in the back, and he goes in the back, and He's back there a while, and he comes back out and says, sorry, I, I can't find any record of your vacuum cleaner. I said, oh, my goodness, you're kidding me. You sure about that? He's, oh, you know, just, sometimes the things get mixed place. I'll, I'll go back there again. And so he goes in the back, and he's rustling around, going through different things. And finally he comes out and says, ah, I really apologize for this. I see it here, but it was never put in the right file and so it was never actually processed your vacuum's back here we didn't we didn't do anything with it i'm like oh my goodness this is horrible we really need that tonight's the night we go and clean I, there's no other option and he could see that i was beginning to get a little more frustrated than i'm portraying right now and uh he said listen all right listen i'll tell you what i'll do for you i said yeah he says Go ahead, to any, any vacuum you see out there, you go ahead and take it, and you go and do your job, and when you're done, bring it back. That's not a problem. I said, really? Wow, thank you, sir. So it's not an issue at all. I'm the owner here, and uh, I'll take care of it. I said, wow. You see what he said to me? He said, I'm the owner here. I can address your problem. I can take care of it. It's not a problem. That's what God is, is saying to us. I'm the owner here. I, I, I control this world. I'm the creator. Come to me. I hear, your, I hear your pain. I hear your situation. I know what you're going through. Come to me. Yes, our God is big enough for you to pound your fist on his chest. And our God is big enough for you to cry on his shoulder. He understands your pain. Yes, I was talking to the right man that night. And we're talking to the right God when we come to him with our problems, our pains, our concerns, our needs. He hears our complaints and he can do something about them. In fact, God cared about you so much that he sent his and this is where it gets really amazing. Why should God give a rip? We already know, verse 5 and 6, right? Yes, but ultimately, those verses point prophetically to Jesus Christ, his son. His son took on flesh and became the second Adam, the man, Jesus Christ. 
Jesus lived as a man and was crowned with glory, honor, and power. He fulfilled those verses of Psalm 8 in a way we're still saying, wait a minute, you said we have dominion here, God? I, I don't feel it. I don't see it. Everything's put under my feet. Not yet. And then Jesus Christ came. And all things were put in subjugation to him. When he left, he told his disciples, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's powerful. Yes, Jesus Christ was crowned with glory and honor. And we are waiting for his ultimate consummation. But God gave Jesus dominion over the works of his hands and he put everything under his feet. As Abraham Kuyper, famous Dutch theologian, said, there is not a square inch of the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, cries out, mine, it's mine. That is what gives us the ability to come to God. Yes. Right after those verses in Hebrews, where the author of Hebrews points to the prophetic fulfillment of Jesus Christ in Psalm 8, shortly after that, he makes this pronouncement of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus Christ became one of us. God stepped in this world and dealt with the same pain and agony that we feel. Why should God give a rip? Because he became one of us. He understands our pain and our agony. In fact, Jesus Christ took on flesh. God took on flesh and was born in a manger for you. Jesus Christ walked in humble obedience on this earth just for you. Jesus Christ went to the cross to redeem us and bring us back to the fulfillment of Psalm 8 just for you. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead and conquered the grave just for you. And Jesus Christ ascended and sits at God's right hand as God's merciful high priest to hear our prayers just for you. And Jesus Christ is coming back again for you. That's why. God hears your prayers. He understands you. He feels your pain. All of this leads us to no other place but to lift up our voice with praise. And we praise God that we are significant. Yes, however we remember that our significance comes from God. As John Piper states, human beings do in fact, yes, have more value than birds. But that's not the bottom line of our happiness. It simply means that we were created in a way to magnify God and praise him in a way that no other creature possibly could. And that's exactly where we end. 
this sermon in praise to our magnificent and glorious, gracious God, our Redeemer. O Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your graciousness. We thank you for your mercy that you would stoop down to create us out of dust in your very own image. And then that you would become one of us, take on that very flesh in order to redeem us and bring you back into right relationship with you. Lord, I pray for anyone in here that is going through a difficult time that they may have the sure confidence to know that we have a great high priest, a great God who understands our weaknesses and sympathizes with our troubles. Lord, we come and we lay them before your throne, the creator, the one in charge of all things who sits on the throne of this world. Lord, and we wait in eager expectation and we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come back to make all things right. Until that time, Lord, remind us of our value before you, our dignity and worth, and help us to pass on that message to those who need it most. They may find their ultimate identity in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.